It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 21st, 2021. My name is Philip Rossmike. I'm the expert in site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about Jeff Weltman, the season that he had. What lies ahead for the Orlando Magic from our uh, three-vote Executive uh, of the Year winner? He got he got three votes. I'll, I'll explain that coming up here. And just a minute. Plus, review a great weekend of NBA action uh, ahead as well. But before you do any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching Gravity Download Podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Atlanta Hawks after their win over the Philadelphia 76ers? Check out Locked On Hawks. Want to wallow in the pain of playoff defeat? Locked On Sixers and Locked On Jazz will have you covered there. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom, formerly known as Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Thursday at 5 p.m. to get in on the action. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. On Sunday, uh, Phoenix Suns general manager James Jones was announced as the executive of the year. Not a surprising pick at all. Jones uh, Jones obviously put together a Phoenix Suns team that is now in the Western Conference Finals, made a bold move to acquire Chris Paul after the 8-0 bubble, and has done a really good job just kind of building that team up after taking over uh, really an aimless franchise for much of the last decade. It's uh, The Suns Breaking through the way that they have is is really a testament to both the patience that Jones has shown, some shrewd decision-making, and of course, taking that one big risk. But if you look a little further down the list, or down the voting list, you'll notice that Jeff Waltman name does appear. Jeff Waltman received two second-place votes and one third-place vote for Executive of the Year. This award, of course, is voted on by the other executives around the league, so there is respect for the decision that Jeff Weltman had to make and the decisions Jeff Weltman made this this year to clear the books and restart this Orlando Magic franchise. As we're looking back at the season and now beginning to look forward to next season, Jeff Weltman becomes a, a central figure in that puzzle. He becomes the driving force for who this team wants to be. We've seen him, obviously, as, a, as an executive here as president of basketball operations for the last three years. We know a few things about him. He's got to be generally pretty patient. Um, he has a very clear idea of the kind of coach that he's looking for, uh, the kind of idea for how he wants to push his team forward. He's a believer in length as something that as, as skills you can't teach, uh, and, and, and that's conversely a, a believer in that you can teach uh, a player to improve their shooting and become better at some of the more skill-based items in uh, necessary for an NBA team. 
But undoubtedly, there was frustration with Jeff Weltman. I won't deny it. I don't think anyone can because that frustration was very, very real. That the Magic were stagnant. They didn't do enough. And I could sit here and explain to you that, yes, the Magic were kind of stuck. And I would even say we're a victim of their own success. They made the playoffs for the first time in seven years. They couldn't turn their back on that team. Aaron Gordon was young enough to resign. Nikola Vucevic, fresh off an all-star bid, signed him to a team-friendly deal. The Magic could, 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 and I think almost had to, kind of keep the course. And I sat here, not about this time last year, but I sat here in the offseason before the, before the 2021 season began and explained, you can build from the middle. It takes some shrewd deal-making, but most importantly, it takes progress on the court. You have to turn your players into better players. And that doesn't happen if you just kind of putter, putter along. Unfortunately, that's what the Magic did. And so, yes, the Magic didn't have a lot of free reign to make moves to the roster. They had to kind of stick with what they had. And I think they honestly believed it, believed in it. Um, I honestly think if the Magic believed that if Markel Fultz were healthy for the entire year and they didn't face all the injuries that they faced, that the Magic would have been in the playoffs and that the Magic would have potentially competed for one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference, one of the, at least where the, Knicks, where the Knicks were as a four seed. Now, would they have beaten the Hawks? Probably not. Probably be still looking at a first-round exit, but say la vie. So again, this is all to say that this is all to say, this is all to kind of start and say that the Magic were stuck between a rock and a hard place. And when the team season finally did fall apart, Jeff Waltman was faced with a very, very clear choice. And then we broke this choice down throughout the course of the season. The team was going to get a top draft pick one way or another. Whether it was the top odds they've ended up getting, whether it was the fourth pick, the fifth pick, they were going to get one of the best picks in this draft. Or they were going to be in a position to get one of the best picks in the lottery. That was never the concern. The question was, and the question that Jeff Weltman had to, had to answer, was can he shape this team well enough to compete for a championship? Very clearly, Evan Fournier resigning was not an option, and so trading him became easy. Aaron Gordon certainly seemed to have stagnated and gone stale, and you could just feel, that not the tension, but this you could just feel everything had sort of run its course with this group as the season went on. Even when everyone was healthy, something was a bit off. They weren't able to kind of reach down and, and, and create that magic that they had both in 2019 and, and, and parts of 2020. Um, it, just, it just wasn't there. Everyone kind of just knew they'd hit their end. And so why did Jeff Weltman get three votes for Executive of the Year? For correctly, maybe late, but correctly identifying that it was time. Time to pull the plug. Time to restart. Time to clear the deck. You know, when we evaluate Jeff Weltman this season, um, there are two things we have to consider. First, the team he built to get to this point. And on that front, yes, he was boxed in by a lot of things. But undoubtedly, we could blame him for some poor free agent decisions, maybe even some poor draft choices along the way. The Al Farouk free agent decision stands as, as a terrible decision. The Mobamba draft pick is looking worse by the day. But neither of them were completely indefensible. The Aminu more indefensible, perhaps, than Bamba uh, at the time. But those are the two big mistakes that Waltman made. 
the rest, you know, again, extensions to Vucevic, extensions to Ross, extensions to Gordon, not the worst decisions. Everyone can justify those decisions. And again, the Magic made the playoffs in 19, made the playoffs in 20. But this decision to clear the deck and set the future is one of great consequence. Obviously, whenever you make the decision that you're going to have a bad team, that you're going to actively make your team worse, you need buy-in from ownership. And according to some reports, Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, and Pete D'Alessandro all received uh, contract extensions shortly after the trade deadline took place. To be sure, Jeff Weltman did not make this decision to reshape and reach and change the franchise. He did not make that decision without ownership's approval, whether it was Alex Martins or the or, or straight up to the DeVos family. They were on board with what the team did. And so the Magic finally pushed some chips into the table. After kind of having one foot in the development pool and one foot in, in the win-now pool, the Magic are fully developing. And again... That move takes some bravery. And I think we have to applaud, and if that's the ultimate move, we have to applaud what Jeff Weltman did. Yes, Evan Fournier was gone. They were not going to trade him. There was no market for him. They got a $17 million trade exception. That could become useful. That could become nothing. Yes, the Magic traded Aaron Gordon. And I think, you know, I've been listening back to some podcasts from around the trade deadline. Now, that still looks like a deal that's, that, that was the biggest gamble of them all. You know, very clearly Gordon had kind of run its course, but getting a young player on RJ Hampton plus a 2025 first round pick from the Nuggets was a pretty good haul. I sat here throughout the course of the trade deadline discussion and said the Magic will not trade Nikola Vucevic unless they get a clear star in return. I was I was very, very adamant about that, and I felt like the Magic were still trying to compete, that they didn't believe in a complete teardown. But I think the conditions of this season change that equation. I think the conditions of this of this season, the fact that the Magic were so close to those top three odds, made the Magic decide, we got to pull the plug completely. We can't go halfway into this thing. So they traded their all-star center for a young prospect in Wendell Carter and two lightly protected first-round picks. And it was likely those two first-round picks, including one in this year's draft, that ultimately tipped the scale and made the Magic believe this was a deal worth doing. We got our star player. So the Magic are set up now. And I think if, if that was the goal, if that became the ultimate goal of the season, Jeff Weltman succeeded. The Magic are set up now. They have... Top, they ended up with, with a roster that was too young to, to do much of anything and so depleted by injuries, they had no they had very little shot at winning most games. The Magic got the top odds to win the NBA draft lottery as the third worst team in the league. The Magic cleared up their cap sheet. And while they only have roughly seven to eight million dollars to spend this offseason, next offseason in a much, much more heralded 2022 free agent class, the Magic are set to have near max cap room. By my calculations, even if they re-sign Wendell Carter or Mo Bamba, just one, not both, even if they re-sign one of those two guys, I think the Magic can get to max cap room. 
Not that the Magic will be signing any max players quite yet. So the Magic cleared up their cap issues. They'll have money to spend. They'll have cap room to rent if that's how they want to do it. They picked up a ton of future assets. They still own all their own draft picks. They've not traded away any of their draft picks. Plus they have Chicago's 2021 pick. Plus they have Chicago's 2023 pick. Plus they have Denver's 2025 pick. Plus a few other picks along the way. They restocked their cupboard of young assets. But most importantly, they put themselves in a position to draft one of the five players in this draft that are widely considered to have star potential. The Magic put themselves in a new position. So on that front, it's hard to call Jeff Weltman's season anything but a success. But we do have to recognize what the goals were at the beginning of the season. We do have to recognize at the start of the year, the goal was to make the playoffs. That the Magic believed they had a roster capable of doing so. And certainly injuries played a role. But the team that Jeff Weltman built was not able to cushion the fall. It showed how much on a knife's edge the Magic were on all year long. And yes, they were down two starters from the very beginning with Jonathan Isaac out for the entire season and Mark Elfeldt's going down eight games into the year. But the Magic did not have the cushion they needed to succeed in that preseason goal. Credit goes where credit's due. Jeff Weltman adjusted, looked at the situation, and decided, just like he decided two years ago, that pushing forward with this group was the right call. He made the decision that it was time to restart. That it was time to do the rebuild that maybe he had planned all along. And now all the focus is on him. We don't yet know who's going to represent the Magic at Tuesday's lottery. I imagine it will be Jeff Weltman on that stage. Because this pick is all on him. The whole plan, like I know people don't like me saying this, and I'm, I've always been a little uncomfortable with it. The whole plan is based on whether two and three pop up in that, in that hopper. If the Magic win the lottery, Jeff Weltman deserves an A. If the Magic do not win that lottery, if the Magic fall out of that top five, he's going to have his work cut out for him to take this team back to where they want to be and to achieve the goals they want to achieve next year and in the very near future. You can't just keep playing the lottery. You need a plan. And the lottery plan is good for one year. But the Magic have to find a way forward. That's always been my big thing. As long as you have a way forward, you're doing okay. In 2019, the Magic had their way forward. And 2020, there was a path forward. A very narrow one, but a path. In 2021, the Magic found no way forward. And that's when they hit reset. So kudos to Jeff Weltman for seeing that. Kudos to Jeff Weltman for making a move that put the Magic in an advantageous position despite all the losing. But come Tuesday night, we will know whether it was all worth it or not. We'll talk a little bit about the playoffs, plus the latest on the Orlando Magic's coaching search coming up here in just a moment. But first, like Jeff Weltman, you're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. So you need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview. All on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster 
Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving your you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So be sure to crack open Michelob Ultra as you watch the NBA playoffs. No playoff games on Monday. A little break from the NBA as uh, the second round series wrap up. And boy, what a weekend of basketball it was. Starting with uh, the Clippers, a stunning win over the Utah Jazz to win that series 4-2. Just an incredible performance from Terrence Mann. They just they just tore the Jazz apart. Um, I know Rudy Gobert is getting dragged a lot on Twitter uh, and, and on social media, but uh, that that to me was hey the Clippers just incredibly hot shooting. And I know like it's a seven game series. If you do it for four games, you've done it long enough. The Jazz just need better perimeter defenders. Um, the the Clippers just figure out how to break. Their uh break their defensive strategy of just you know again like the Dwight Howard funnel everything to go bear and you know I think the biggest thing was the Clippers went small and you know because Go Bear doesn't have much of an offensive game um they were they they the the Jazz were never able to play the Clippers to put Zubas in um so a lot of Magic fans kind of joking you know that you know Dwight Howard you know because there's a lot of comparisons between Go Bear and Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard would have never looked that bad. And to me, the problem wasn't Gobert's defense. Gobert was doing everything that he was supposed to do. The problem was the Jazz, you know, again, playoffs are different. Playoffs are about matchups. They're not necessarily about the analytics. In the playoffs, you've got to be able to press matchup advantages. So when you have Marcus Morris or Markeith Morris defending Rudy Gobert, put him on the block and back him down. Or if not that, put him on the block, force a double, and then kick it out. The Jazz are a good enough three-point shooting team that that should happen. That's how the magic worked with Dwight Howard. Say what you want about Dwight Howard and his post game. Dwight Howard still could kick your butt. You put a small on him, he is dunking over that dude. He's going to drop, you know, again, he could drop 20, 20, and it's payday, not now. He could drop 20, 25 on you real easy. And I always thought, you know, and again, maybe I'm more of too much of a Dwight defender on this, especially with, his, with the magic. I always thought that Dwight was a better post player than people gave him credit for. Rudy Gobert has no post game whatsoever. 
and I get it. Dwight Gobert is not the superstar level that Dwight Howard is, and certainly it's a different league where centers are asked to do much, to do that much. But if I'm Rudy Gobert, I'm not worried about my defense. His defense was relatively fine. He's supposed to be in there to protect the paint, and the, and the the Jazz, you know, pretty much admitted we were we were focused on taking away Paul George and Reggie Jackson's layups. If Terrence Mann beats us with threes, we'll live with that. Certainly, he did, but. The only way the Jazz could have gotten the Clippers out of that lineup and, and and shifted the things back in their favor was to get Rudy Gobert scoring. Not in pick and rolls, straight post-ups. Make them pay for going small. The Jazz just never really did that. Utah's going to be interesting this offseason. I think they'll look to make some moves. Um, obviously, they, they put a premium on three-point shooting, but they got to find better defenders on the perimeter. They got to find guys who can lock down, that, lock down some players one-on-one so they're not so reliant on Rudy Gobert as such a huge backstop because, again, it seems like this is the repeated story for the Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert gets played off the court because teams go small and he can't take advantage of them. Utah, again, playoffs, again, are about pressing your advantages. L.A. made a gamble that going small would win. The Jazz couldn't press that advantage back. They couldn't kind of take that take that punch back. Uh, and, and honestly, that's why I think they lost that series. You look at the other series, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, with a classic and I do mean classic uh, Game 7. Uh, you know, again, no shame in what Brooklyn did. They were hurt. They were had a ton of injuries. Kevin Durant put on a masterful series and a masterful performance even in Game 7 to put Brooklyn in a spot where they could win. You could just see how tired everyone was and how much that game was about will at the end of the day. And credit to Milwaukee. They went out there and won the game. They went out there and made the plays that they needed to do to make the make the make the to get the series win. Brooklyn will be back. I don't think there's panic in Brooklyn's front. You know, people who are claiming that Kevin Durant somehow choked are just ridiculous. That was those were two very good games. They could play that game to 15, it would still be 8-7. I don't know and I don't even know who would win because that's that, that's how close those two teams were. And unfortunately, series do have to end and they often end on something trivial and and random such as uh such as a shot going in or a foot being over the line. Um, Giannis also fantastic uh, as that series came to a close really stepped up uh, and carried his team and, and you got to give credit to Chris Middleton too I mean a lot of questions about the Bucks. everyone's been circling them thinking Mike Budenholzer would get fired the Magic are certainly cir- circling them with some of their coaching stuff with a couple of the coaches that they're looking at uh, from the Bucks. but you, you can't be you can't be upset if you're a Nets fan or you can be upset but you can't be too upset because they'll be back next year and, and certainly the Bucks earned that win the big shocker though the Atlanta Hawks defeating the Philadelphia 76ers in Game 7 in a wild game where Trey Young doesn't even play well, but the Hawks able to, to keep the, keep themselves in it. Um, you know, I, I think what we're seeing with the Hawks is what's different between regular season and playoff basketball. The reason why someone like Devin Booker, as the Suns also took a 1-0 series lead, uh, and, and cer- certainly, I have come around completely 180 on Devin Booker. He's proven me wrong in so many different ways, and and I will I will take the L's if you want to dig up my old tweets on Devin Booker. What's very very clear, um, or has always been clear about playoffs, is you need players that just you need players that completely flip the paradigm and completely flip the script when it comes to uh, when when it, when it comes to beating defenses. You need guys who can beat set defense. Watch Kevin Durant. There's no defense you can make. You can make life hard for him, but you can't stop him. You look at what Devin Booker or Trey Young have done. They are the two clear star, you know, the star, their stars are being made in this playoffs. 
you watch them play, they, they, you, you can't defend them. There's just no way. Like, Trey Young even had a bad shooting game, and it still just did not matter. They were, they were still able to compete and still able to put themselves in a position to score and to help their team win. It, it was, you know, Trey Young making making that huge shot at the end of game game seven to make it a six point lead. Just you can't defend that. Uh, and, and what's very very clear is that in the regular season, maybe you have your ups and downs, but when the playoffs, when you have playoff performers, they step up. And, and again, defenses can't do anything about it. And really, as Shaq would say, it's about the others. Who else is going to come with you? Who else is going to come with your stars? For the Hawks, that answer was John Collins. That answer was Clint Capella. That answer was Kevin Herter. The Hawks had a lot of different guys step up. And Philadelphia just kept on searching for that answer. Anyone who is criticizing Joel Embiid after that loss is wrong. Just flat out wrong. The, the emotion that he showed at the end of the 2019 series against the, Sixers, against the Raptors, the emotion, and frankly, there's a sense of frustration as he posted on Twitter, you know, thank, you know, apolo- apologizing to Sixers fans um, and, 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 and promising to do better. Like, that dude, there's no shame in Joel Embiid's series. That dude did everything he could to carry his team. You could just feel it, that he was carrying such a heavy burden because Tobias Harris wasn't consistent enough attacking the basket. Seth Curry is, is you know, a specialist as a three-point shooter, but as everyone, I think, is rightly pointing out, Ben Simmons disappeared in the series. Um, he passed up that layup that he had uh, late in the game that would have tied, that would have tied it, and, and I, even Embiid pointed out that was a turning point in the series. Uh, you know, I made the joke that Ben Simmons has become what Sixers fans think Markel Fultz is, or what Markel Fultz was. The guy does not want to shoot. The guy doesn't even look at the basket to shoot. And while that helps you a lot in the regular season, in the playoffs, especially deep in the playoffs, your weaknesses get exposed doubly. Everyone finds your weakness. Everyone finds what you're bad at. And if you can't cover for it, you get burned. And frankly, you get embarrassed. Ben Simmons has a lot to think about and a lot of work to do. And I'm not going to put this all on Ben Simmons, but very obviously that has been a question mark for the Sixers for a very, very long time. How do we use Ben Simmons? How do we get the most out of Ben Simmons? How do we win a championship with Ben Simmons? And the answer for Philadelphia might be, we can't do it with him. And unfortunately for them, I think the rest of the league is a little, is wiser to Ben Simmons. And it's going to be harder to move him for the kind of quality players that I think Philadelphia needs to continue competing for championships, which is absolutely where they should their mind should be. Very disappointing finish for the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, if they would have survived this and gotten to the next round, I, I think they would have matched up better with the Bucs than with the Hawks. This might have been a nightmare matchup for them. They had a versatile forward in John Collins who could defend, who could keep up with Simmons a little bit, keep some size on him. They had shooters who were capable of spreading the floor. They had a solid bench. And of course, they had a supernova star in Trey Young who had some incredible games. Look, Philadelphia wins that game, that game, what, game four, game five? Uh, where they had the big lead and blew it. Completely different series, obviously. Um, but Philadelphia just so inconsistent at so many key moments. Just not a lot of trust, to be perfectly honest, with a lot of their players. And I think that's that that's ultimately what did them in. Should be a funny, should be a fun conference final series. The Phoenix Suns already up 1-0 on the LA Clippers. Game two will be Tuesday. Game one of the series between the Bucks and the Hawks will be on Wednesday. We'll start talking a little bit more regularly about those those playoff series and of course a little bit more about the playoffs in general and the lessons that we learn 
uh, especially after the NBA draft lottery, and we'll begin some NBA draft talk as well. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Magic's coaching search, where it stands at the moment. But first, Built Bar is the protein bar that you want to eat. Nine delicious flavors, including occasional limited-time flavors. So so when you have a Built Bar, you know you're biting into something good, whether it's the coconut, the mint brownie, the peanut butter brownie, the double chocolate, the salted caramel. There's something for everyone. I really don't have a favorite flavor. I like the double chocolate, but I've tried the mint brownie. It's good. I'm not even a coconut person, and I like the coconut. It tastes like what it says on the packaging. You will not be disappointed with a Built Bar. Plus, these bars are healthy too. They're not those meal replacement bars that you find in the supermarket. These are true supplement bars. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have a little bit more, but no more than 200 calories. Really just only 180 calories in some of the heavier flavors that come in Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I want to close out today's show with a quick update on the Orlando Magic's coaching search. Obviously, that is still continuing. The team has probably interviewed a few candidates already, uh, if not uh, waiting for some teams to get eliminated from the playoffs. So, yeah, Ime Yodoka from the Brooklyn Nets probably on the list to get interviewed here shortly. Uh, uh, I would imagine the Magic put some of that on hold. Maybe they do some interviews while they're at the Combine in Chicago. Um, but largely, I think the Magic are going to spend this week focused on the draft and the draft process and then get back to the coaching search uh, next next week or later on in the week. Again, my suspicion is the Magic will have a coach in place uh, either the week of July 4th or the week after. So July 12th would be the week after. Um, I would imagine they'll have that in place so they'll have a couple weeks before the NBA draft to uh, get their coach kind of up to speed with what they're thinking uh, and get their coach's thoughts on how to use some of the players that they're, they're looking at. The biggest news that came out over the weekend, Josh Robbins of The Athletic reporting, The Orlando Magic have requested permission to interview Phoenix Suns assistant coach Willie Green, Milwaukee Bucks assistant Charles Lee, and Brooklyn Nets assistant Ime Udoka. Um, Ime Udoka has been on our list for a while. Uh, He was someone that was reported to have some interest from from the Magic last week. Um, Willie Green is a new face, but an old face too. He played for the Orlando Magic, I think it was in 2014 or 2015. Um, Magic fans do not remember him fondly as he was kind of a veteran um, who took more minutes than he probably should have and was relied on for a role larger than he probably should have should have been. Um, but Willie Green's actually, since retiring, turned into a pretty sought-after coach. Um, he was an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr, won a few titles with them. 
uh, and then jumped over to Monty Williams' staff with the Phoenix Suns. So he has been um, he has been a guy that's been with some some good coaches and some winning programs. Uh, is he ready to be a head coach? That I don't know. Um, he's obviously coached now for something like six, seven years. So, you know, again, no different than Becky Hammond, I guess. But uh, Willie Green is certainly someone that I think we should take seriously as a coaching candidate. Very well-respected veteran in his time with the, with the, in the NBA and with the Magic, Magic 2. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see if that's something that, that plays a role there as well. Uh, and then uh, Milwaukee Bucks assistant Charles Lee. Much like Darvin Ham, Charles Lee has been with Mike Budenholzer for several years. And, and say what you want about the Bucks and the way that they played in the postseason— um, Mike Boonholzer's staff and Mike Boonholzer's done a hell of a job both with the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, maybe he hasn't been able to take them over the hump and, and maybe this year he does take them over the hump there in the Eastern Conference Finals again. Hasn't quite been able to reach their championship aspirations yet, um, but very like very strong regular season coach, very, a guy that, that gets his teams to play very hard, plays a very kind of egalitarian offensive style, a very appealing style of basketball. Um, you know, again, who's in charge of the defense there? Is it Darvin Ham? Is it Charles Lee? Who's who's to say? Um, but but I think Charles Lee would definitely be a, a strong candidate there as well. Uh, I did my weekly power rankings on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I, I still have Kenny Atkinson as the most desirable coaching candidate. Um, again, he's a coach that he's with. The, he was with the LA Clippers, so he's available for an interview now. Um, he's a guy that's done exactly what the Magic have tried to do. He gets his young teams to play hard. They grow. They get better. They eventually make the playoffs. The reason why he was fired from the Brooklyn Nets was because uh, he didn't get along with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Again, the te- he wasn't coaching the team that he was hired to coach or that he had helped build and foster as almost a completely new team, so they probably did need a completely new voice. Um, I do think Darvin Ham with the Bucs is a really good option too. Um, you may remember Darvin Ham, and I actually looked this up and was looking for photos of him, and lo and behold, the first photo that pops up when you type in Darvin Ham's name on on. Uh, my photo on my photo th- photo thing that I use for OrlandoMagicDaily.com is Darvin Ham trying to trying to hold back James Ennis um, in, in the playoffs last year. Uh, so that's that's the kind of coach you're getting. I don't I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, Zach Harper of the Athletic predicted Darvin Ham would be a good add for the Orlando Magic. I, I can't say I disagree uh, from everything I've heard about him. He'd be good. Um, uh, if, if you go down my list, uh, someone someone asked me, you know, this list is is bogus. How is Rick Carlisle not even in there? Because Rick Carlisle is not going to coach the Orlando Magic. Come on, man. Um, I, I'm looking at realistic candidates, and, and, and the way that I would rank them, I would say I'm the, the, the most experienced coach the Magic can probably get is Kenny Atkinson. Otherwise, I think the Magic will be looking for a first-time assistant, someone that will bring some new energy, some new ideas, and be able to grow with the roster. I know that sounds cliche. I know it didn't work with Jacques Vaughn, um, but I just don't think the Magic situation is going to attract well-established coaches at, at this juncture. Maybe if they get the number one pick. Maybe if they get Kate Cunningham, that opens some doors. Um, I'd like to give Alvin Gentry a call. Um, I've been I've said some bad things about Alvin Gentry in the past, um, but I thought he did a really good job in New Orleans, and I just I still don't quite understand why New Orleans let him go. Um, but uh, I, I think that he would be a really good coach for a young team as well. Um, you tend to go with the opposite of what you had previously. So, you know, the Magic had a veteran, experienced, defensive-minded coach in Steve Clifford. Wouldn't surprise me if they go offensive-minded coach this time around or go with a young coach as well. So I think that that's ultimately where the Magic will go. I don't see them chasing some of the bigger names. I do think that Chauncey Billups is probably a little bit out of their reach. I think Becky Hammond might even be a little bit out of the reach. And like I've said, I think that Becky should Becky should be looking for a position that's ready-made for her to succeed. And, and frankly, I think everyone understands with this Orlando job you are going to have to lose the first couple of seasons, that you are not going to find that it's going to be very difficult to get immediate success. 
Um, the other coach that I would think about is Scott Brooks, but um, you know, there's obvious issues with Scott Brooks. There's there's definitely a lot of questions about whether he's actually a good coach and a good development coach, or whether he just kind of keeps things kind of on the level uh, of where you're at. Does he actually make your team better? I think those are fair questions to ask. So. Um, right now, I would say that Kenny Atkinson's my favorite candidate. I'm still a fan of David Vanterpool, but the lack of reporting on him makes me a little bit concerned um, uh, that that he'd be a viable option. But again, I, I told some people who criticized my my coaching power rankings, like, look, the names are probably going to come from the top of this list, or they're not on the list at all. Um, that's the thing about coaches; we just don't know a whole lot about them. So the Magic are doing their interviews, or they are doing their due diligence, going through their process, um, but obviously still. A lot more work to do, and I don't know. If, I don't think we're in even the second round of interviews at this point for the Magic's head coach. Well, that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Be sure to check out the Locked On Today podcast. Today, the Nets and 76ers have questions to answer. We try to answer some of them here. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So be sure to check that out. You can follow us here on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Sit your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places you love podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's good to do it for me, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman, right? We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.